when we talk about the fortunes of the Nets, we have to look at other teams who, I guess, took a, a hit with the moves that happened with, with Brooklyn. Uh, when we look at Boston and, and Golden State, what, what would be your take on those two teams? What do you think happens to those two, those two teams? Because last season, we were talking about those two teams as contenders, but they had Kyrie, they had Kevin Durant, Boston and Golden State, respectively. What do you think happens to those two franchises? They come out pretty unscathed relative to what happened. So when you lose a Kevin Durant-caliber player, when you lose a Kyrie Irving-caliber player, you would think, man, this team is really going to take a step back. But in both cases, they were able to swap that spot for someone of roughly equal talent. Now, obviously, Kevin Durant is a better player than D'Angelo Russell, but the Warriors are not exactly in a position to do anything else with that cap space. They're at, not actually under the cap. And well, so they are hard cap. To be able to turn that into a, a sign and trade and get D'Angelo Russell. Now, maybe he doesn't fit into that team. He's a very talented player, he's a very uh, valuable trade asset. And so um, it gives them real flexibility to maybe flip him into somebody that really fits perfectly and kind of reboot this team. Where they're uh, where they were b- before Kevin Durant got there, but maybe kind of uh, flush it out a little bit more, where they can get a little younger again, they get a little more depth. So I think um, it's not a disaster for the Warriors, considering uh, you know the losing a guy his caliber and and you know losing Clay for at least part of the season with the ACL tear. Um, the Warriors could have come out much, much worse. And I I don't think we know what the finished product looks like yet. I assume he gets moved for some sort of front court player to create a little more balance on that team, or maybe for multiple players to create a little more balance on that team. But I think the Warriors, you haven't seen the last of the Warriors. And, um, you know, when, when KD got hurt in the playoffs, it kind of gave them new life. It kind of got them back to, well, wait a minute. We were a really good team before this. We were an all-time team before this. And um, we revolutionized the game, and everyone's trying to play like we play. So, all right, like let's let's show them all that we still have it. So, I, in, in a way, it kind of gives them their edge back, and it, it gives them an opportunity to maybe reboot it with a little more talent. Yeah, I'm on board with you. I think Golden State, they are, they are in a good position. Um, the sign and trade for D'Angelo Russell was a little puzzling to me just off of personnel-wise. Yeah. But I understand why you do it. Anytime you can get an asset out of anything, out of a losing situation... Totally better than nothing. Exactly. One is better than having zero. So when you think about it, D'Angelo Russell, like you said, I think he's he won't be there long term. I, I Honestly, I feel like he's in the same boat as Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. An asset that you have that when... More of the league can be traded after December 15th. I think that's something that you'll see happen, that he, he may be moved because defensively, him and Steph just don't work. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they don't have Iguodala there to help them out on defense, I think those things shape that he he honestly won't end the season there or he might even be traded in the offseason if there's if they don't find a trade partner during the season. But I don't, I don't think he ends up there. And so as for Boston, what do you think? How do you think they... Because Boston, Boston is one of these. Sorry, not to, to to jump in again, but Boston is one of those teams where they always find a way to to retool. Yeah, like once, and and it's sort of off the fortunes of Brooklyn. Once they they got their big three and they they got the championship out of it, Danny Ainge always finds a way to 
to retool and reshape that team. It's just like it's a re- revolving door of who's going to be their lead point guard. It's, a, it's amazing that that kind of franchise is never bad. They, you know, for, except for a brief period in the in the '90s, like they retooled from the uh, from the Garnett, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen era pretty quickly. Pretty pretty that, quickly. That trade really got them, um, you know, turned around in, in, in short order. And I actually think the loss of Horford is bigger than the loss of Kyrie. I agree. Um, because they look, they signed Kemba Walker, and is Kyrie better than Kemba? Yeah, sure, probably. Is is Kemba a better fit? Probably, and um, you know, he, he, Kemba's a wonderfully talented player. There's so many good point guards in the league, so many good guards in the league in general that it, it, it's almost hard to like mention them all all the time. You know, we sort of shortchange guys like Kemba sometimes because you you know he okay he's not a top five player, he's probably a top fifteen player, but that doesn't mean he's not amazing. He's amazing, and he's a great guy. He's great personality, great energy. And I think he'll fit in very nicely uh, in a way that Kyrie didn't. I think losing Horford um, is is a lot more material for them because he's a guy who is very versatile. He could step out and shoot the three. He could guard multiple positions. He was a good rebounder. He can initiate the fast break off a rebound and and and, and start dribbling. You know, he could he could play make a, a, a you know to some extent and. Um, He's a winner. I, 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 there's just something about Horford where everywhere he goes, yes. that team's going to be legitimate. And so to replace him with Cantor, who I've got to see quite a bit of, and I, I don't dislike Cantor, but Cantor isn't the no-brainer player that fits in all situations. Horford fits in all situations. He's a winner. He's a basketball player. He's Cantor is more of a specialist. Um, he's going to get you buckets in the post. He's going to be a good role man. He's going to set good screens. He's going to offensive rebound, which is probably his best That's attribute. Big. That's and big fan. So I, it's not that I dislike him as a player, but he's slow-footed defensively. And in a pick-and-roll, it's it's murder. And I, he can't really shoot the ball. You, if, if, if he's shooting anywhere outside of five feet, no the defense is him. thrilled. And so I think they lose a lot of versatility in the front court there. But at the same time... Um, you know, like I said, if you if you lose a guy like Kyrie and you can swap him for a guy like Kemba, you didn't really lose all that much. And I, I really would make the argument, and I think everybody would make the argument, that he's a better fit and that they didn't actually lose anything yeah, at that position. Kemba fits better just off the fact that the locker room and team camaraderie, I think Kemba is coming from a different place than Kyrie. Kyrie, when you look at it as far as accolades, he's coming from a more privileged stance. Yeah. And he played with LeBron James, although when you look at it at the beginning of his career, he lost a lot. But after a while, it got better. He came back, played with LeBron James, had championships. So he, a championship rather. So he's more in a privileged position where he's not trying to get a ring and he's not trying to win. He knows what it feels like to win. Whereas Kemba's legitimately exactly. excited for the playoffs, he's period. to say, right? I have... We're going to get into the second round. You know? Exactly. Like we, we sniff the conference finals? actually do something. So, I mean, I think it's a good fit. And you actually stole one of my points because that was going to be my, my sleeper. The Horford point. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That was going to be my <laughs> sleeper move that I think that's going to help shape what's done in the league is, is Al Horford. I think that's a big piece to take him away from Boston 
and take him away from their front court and to add that to what you can do and he can also stretch the floor. He can give you semi-rim protection to put a player like that next to Embiid where you can now say Embiid move closer to the basket. Like, we like yeah. you shooting threes. Yeah. You can shoot the three, but... But here's a big who can do some defensive work, who can rebound, who can initiate the fast break. There's quite a bit of overlap, but I think, like you said, Embiid sort of... Um, he sort of hit the wall these last couple seasons, and to me that implies that he's had to do too much. Offense and defense. Right, and so if you have a guy that can kind of spell him a little bit, who is also very clearly a winner and a veteran, I mean, it is a little odd to have that much front court um, you know, contribution from the roster in today's game, but maybe for their situation it, it does make sense. Um, and look, sometimes you have to do something different. Everybody's playing small ball or positionless basketball and shooting a lot of threes. And, um, you know, when you look at like the Warriors, one way to try to beat them would be to go inside and beat them up inside and win the rebounding game. Um, not, you know, just win the possession game, uh, possession game. So uh, maybe Philly's in it for the possession game and maybe that works. Um, but I think there's still a lot of question marks about Philly. I think Reddick really fit a great role for them. He did. Tremendous scoring. Replace that shooting yeah. with too many others in the league. And Butler was a real alpha for them. I mean, uh, among all the talented guys they had, when the game is on the line, um, it's really Jimmy Butler who, who is stepping up consistently. I think Embiid can be that. Um and and with Ben Simmons, that remains to be seen. You know, his game is is more limited, so it's not a no brainer that he's your he's your go to guy in the closing situation. So I think there's a lot of question marks with Philly as they've reshuffled these things here. There's a lot of talent, obviously, but um, you know, it, it's somewhat similar to last season where it's like, how exactly does this all fit together? It's not it's not exactly obvious how, why it works. What I do like about the move though is that Harford can help you give better load management to Embiid. Absolutely. And also what it's doing is combating the length of Milwaukee. Because yep. you look at it, Milwaukee has one of the longest rosters, Chris Milton, Giannis, Brooke Lopez. They have a lot of They signed Robin Lopez. <laughs> exactly. So I think what Philly said was that we're going to try to close up a lot of this space on the court because Ben Simmons... Embiid, Al Harford, Tobias Harris. It's a big team. Exactly. They're very tall, very lengthy. So I think that they're what they're doing is to try to combat the Bucks, And also, that may be where the league is going, have a lot of interchangeable athletic players who can hopefully, you know, with their wingspan and their length, be disruptive. And so I, I think that, that Philly, they're, they're on a good path, especially getting a player like Harford. I mean, you you lose a little bit, a lot rather, when you lose J.J. Redick, mm-hmm. that type of shooting, and then Jimmy Butler can get you a lot of points on the wing. But I think adding someone like Al Harford, that's, that does a lot for your locker room, mm-hmm. and it does a lot for you on the floor on both ends, and it, it does, it limits the load, so to speak, for Joel Embiid.